welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. In this episode, we're going to introduce Area of Expertise 8, Coaching. Using an interactive process to help individuals develop rapidly and produce results, coaching really is a one-to-one experience that helps you set goals, take action, make better decisions, and make full use of natural strengths for any employees or clients you work with. This section of the CPLP exam, if you're studying, is weighted between 8 to 9% of this total exam, so between 12 to 14 questions. I thought I'd jump into coaching now because it's a short section with two subsections, and it's an area that I'm really interested in as of late. For talent development and looking at performance and learning, coaching is there to implement some sort of major role or change in organization and to produce a performance solution. This could be done in many different ways, and we're going to get into that in the subsection. I will say this is not regulated by um, the main regulator, International Coach Federation, ICF. That's a not-for-profit membership organization for professionals worldwide who practice business and personal coaching. So I'm not going to get into a deep dive because this is touching on just talent development in general, but I will link to a few things. So one of them that I did read is what is coaching basics? I put a read in there from this uh, association for talent development. So thinking about training and how that fits in with training, if you want to take a read. Coaching as defined by ICF, is a professional partnership between a qualified coach and an individual or team that supports the achievement of extraordinary results based on goals set by the individual or team. Through the process of coaching, individuals focus on the skills and actions needed to successfully produce their personally relevant results. So, That's pretty broad and it can be almost anything. And coaching happens for a variety of reasons and why people seek out coaches. I know for writing, for career changes, for the purpose of this podcast of Learn, Perform, Mixtape, it'll be directed to learning performance. And the related area of expertise is um, managing learning programs. So that'll be a section if you want to refer back to or refer to if you're jumping to coaching now later on. So talent professionals might be referred to a coach or a coaching partner in this section of the ATD learning system for the CPLP exam. Um, so I'm going to probably just use the term coach and client in the next podcast, this one and the following one, because there will only be two in this area. Coaches do need to think about their actions and outcomes. So key actions that a coach does, they will do the following things. Um, initially, they'll want to have a contract. So to get to that outcome, they'll need to meet ethical guidelines and professional standards, establish a coaching agreement, and establish trust and intimacy with the client. The other things that coaches do for talent development is deliver the following things, progress reports, individual development plans, evaluation, so measuring if the change has happened, return on investment sort of thing, and skill set around the assessment. So some action items related to this for the outcomes that you want are managing progress and accountability. They're often uh, there as an active listener, maybe asking powerful questions, directing communication, and creating a general awareness uh, specifically designed around those learning opportunities, goals, and plans you want to have with your coach. So the first subsection of coaching, after that very brief overview, is the core coaching competencies. Once again, it's not going to be a full overview of what ICF, the International Coaching Foundation, has. But what we will talk about is how can coaching identify and clarify goals with action, accountability, and follow through. 
The objectives for core coaching competencies are define coaching, uh, discuss the role of the talent development process as a coach and professional as a coach, list the core competencies of effective coaches and the techniques used to create effective communication in a coaching relationship. So a couple things to caveat. Once again, coaching is not counseling. So that's when you go seek guidance from someone to evaluate and resolve a personal, social or psychological challenge you're having or difficulty, right? So it's not going to be some, going to see a licensed professional counselor or a physician that's a clinical um, psychologist. So this is not what coaching is. Coaching is also not mentoring. I think that mentoring and coaching often get mixed up. And I do a bit of research in mentoring. I'm happy to share in the notes if you want to take a look. Um, this looks very different. Mentoring is typically the career development practice of using and experienced person or group to share wisdom and expertise. So typically you'll have a protege of some sort looking over uh, to connect with someone else for a specific period of time. It might be one-to-one, group, or virtual, but it's specific to a profession and career advancement. Um, Coaching and mentoring do get mixed up. So let's define coaching a little bit more. Really, It's a a conversation focused on helping others. That might be a client or an employee. You're moving them forward relative to their goals, hopes, and curiosities. So these are the things they want to accomplish or achieve or they've not reached yet. And so their goal of coaching is different, just giving someone advice. So a mentor might just offer them like, this is what I did, or um, someone that advised them might have said, this is where I suggest you take this kind of course or go this route to this conference. The coaching practice really believes that the clients have the answer. They're not giving advice or doling out information. And within the coach experience, they're going to use tools and techniques to really draw out what that solution is and what that advice is. I thought there was a really good article, um, The Difference Between Coaches, Mentors, Advisors, Consultants by Mike Kruppet. I I put into the show notes. So it talks a little bit about those differences you should go and check out in this episode notes. So the role of a coach, what is it? So for talent development, coaches are designed to improve employee performance to impact the organization in general when we talk about talent development. A successful coaching client will be highly motivated. They really want to be there and generally have some combination of the following characteristics for the coaching experiment. So they're really eager to be successful. They want to be supported and they're really open to that kind of support from a coach. They're interested in trying different things and they're willing to work on things and they're really interested in learning. So you're, you're going to see them really moving towards learning learning as an orientation and an option. So they're there to be malleable and change. A good read by uh, one of the coaches from the ISCF was boundaries in coaching. So it's really important to set kind of what those parameters are. And I'll mention a few of those in this episode. The purpose of a coach is typically to follow a larger strategy for helping individuals, units, systems, and organizations to improve their performance. It gives the one-to-one personal attention to focus on a client or an employee for that just-in-time need. So there might be an issue behind training or a learning solution that hasn't been resolved that you might bring a coach in to fill in that gap where learning didn't happen. So Hargrove came up with this concept of the role of the coach as a transformational learning experience. So the coach is there connected to a few other theories around learning and transformation, also by Seng and Argus. Uh, One of them is single loop learning. So people will learn 
and use a new skill for a necessary time, but incremental change will happen. So an example is if they have to learn how to use an Excel spreadsheet, uh, they use it for that one thing. And if they don't use it again, it's gone. It might also be someone coming for a one-stop shop, like they want to improve how they present and do a slide deck um, using PowerPoint, things like that. The double loop learning theory. This is the changing underlying the underlying values of and assumptions as a decision-making process. So really you're reframing or changing the context in the double loop learning. So it might be starting a new habit like uh, daily meditation or uh, learning from couch to 5K run. So this is something that you shift and you wanna reframe and change how you go about um, doing that item. The triple loop learning is learning how to learn, uh, something we don't often get taught in high school, but later on we need to do in college or university is reflecting beyond what we've learned and going to the how, what, and why others feel the way they do about learning really helps to transform an experience. So if you ever um, have heard your friends in education, often had to submit learning portfolios and teaching portfolios. So in education, you had to submit an artifact an artifact, which might be a lesson, describing the experiences, they might be details about that lesson of teaching and reflection on that instructional process and the outcomes of that and what you would do next time. So it's really getting into the whole perspective and 360 view of that learning experience. In any sort of session for coaching, there's going to be two roles, the role of the coach and the role of the client. Back when I was an academic advisor, we often expected our students to come in with some sort of things they had to do and bring to the table. Well, the same thing goes for coaching. Uh, so a coach will be there to reinforce interest and encourage the clients to describe and clarify and define their goals. They'll want to keep the discussions on track and moving and asking stimulating questions and clarifying discussion topics for their sessions. Often the coach will help the client develop an action plan and maybe even offer resources, tools, or skills that helps them become more self-aware in that process. They'll want to facilitate uh, the client's ability to be coach, as well as make agreements about the next step. So what's the follow-up? What's the homework or challenge they have to do before the next meeting uh, where you'll have another coaching session? And you want to demonstrate some help in helping that client reach the goals. But on the flip side, the coach doesn't just do all the work. The client's role in the session is really important as we need open discussions that express frustrations, problems, setbacks, questions, and successes. So they're going to be honest and share relevant information that's going on. They'll want to also be clear and shared goals, desired outcomes, and what they're hoping for in this coaching relationship. Really, you want to reach that goal as a, a client, but to do that, you have to be very inventive and part of the process. You're creating and implementing the action plan. It comes from the things you want to do. So as a client, you're going to want to take ownership and ask the coach for any follow-up, any support you need. Uh, you're going to also, as a client, want to let the coach know how you're progressing towards the goals and be open to feedback, exploring new ideas and suggested approaches from that coach. You also, bottom line, as a client, have to be coachable. So the willingness to change and the openness to see what else is new and a new way about going about things. So setting the foundation for coaching is critical. And some areas that of the most important uh, coaches think of are these skills. You want to think about communication, client motivation, self-management, and technical skills. And those are really critical to establish um, what they're doing. So for communicating, you really want to know that um, 
you are going to be there for them and you're going to be direct, listen, empathetic, ask questions, and also listen and be quiet sometimes. So I'm not just always giving information, but letting them know that you are reflecting back their experiences, you're relating to them, and they're connecting information they've said to other things they've said earlier. The client motivation, you're always going to want to facilitate um, the ability and the belief that they are coachable and the ways that they can improve by motivating them towards that change or action. For the self-management, you will want to be curious as a coach and non-judgmental. So you'll want to put aside any personal agendas, be very self-aware and fully present for any coaching meeting. And then the technical skill that you'll bring will be those theories of motivation, these coaching practices and tools that you are learning about, and anything you need to know that's specific to that industry, business, or employment that's related to the goals, and strategies and plans to help your client get there. So part of that will be developing some contracts and agreements that you'll be working on together. The co-creating relationship is really strong for building trust, and I liked how um, this section talked a little bit around when you're building that, it's the two-way communication. And I think that that's critical. You really want to form um, some basics, which are the trust and rapport. And you want to know that people can come through. In the Coaching Basics book by uh, Talent Development, the Association for Talent Development, there's a great list of dialogue, elements of dialogue shared by Lisa Hanberg. So there's things like play, relevance, inquiry, freedom, reception, empowerment, and connectedness. So thinking about rapport and trust, this foundation will be critical for a coach to understand the client's needs and goals more fully and quickly if they know them. So build that rapport right away. And to be sure that your client can be open and candid with you, there has to be a certain level of trust. Otherwise, sensitive topics and issues won't come up in a conversation. I put a couple of links to um, both the minimal skills requirements that ICF assesses for the ACC level, if you're interested, and you want to learn more about that, and then a read from the toolbox on trust and intimacy by one of the coaches at ICF that I thought was really helpful. Effective communication to clarify the goals is really important, and there are a few ways to do this. Uh, one of them is asking questions, so the most two common types of questions, close-ended for those short one word responses, uh, yes, no, tell me about a place, time, job, or open-ended. So those are ones that I commonly ask in any research interview. So you want to list it longer answers. Two ways to get longer answers and open-ended questions are provocative questions that excite or stimulate the conversation. So what are they interested in? What is connected to their goals that you want to ask them more about? What kind of excites them in their tone of voice? And then evocative questions pulls the client in to help bring things to mind. So you might want to ask them, what would it take for them to... Um, be successful or engaged in work and what would make them most satisfied or enjoy it. So attach those emotions to those as well. Using the Socratic method, we know those probing open-end questions that often expose contradictions for thoughts and ideas will guide clients towards solutions and their own actions. So the example of a coach and client's analysis situation might increase by the number of questions you possibly have, like Socrates had, right? So I always ask the follow-up questions, can you give me an example? Or what does that mean? Or what do you mean by that? Or how does this concept relate to what you said earlier? You do want to help them ask questions of like, what's the nature of, or tell me what you're saying, or repeating things back in a questioning fashion that gets them thinking about, well, what do I mean by that? And lets your client process more. 
You want to set expectations for any sort of coaching session, and that's how we'll be successful. So you will always want to think about the following things about coaching and the coaching sessions. So planning out and outlining the format, the frequency and duration, how long you'll meet for, the purpose and scope, what will be covered during that session, maybe there's an agenda, and then the, the ground rules about confidentially, candor, coachability, and participation, and what that means for a successful coaching relationship. In most coaching conversations, you'll want to provide feedback because it's a valuable tool to let the clients know how they're improving and maybe even motivate that performance or improvement. If done poorly, though, feedback can lead to demotivation and impact the self-esteem and maybe confidence towards their goals. So keep that in mind. The two types of feedback for coaching are evaluative. So the one that thinks like more of a performance approval or focuses on a past item and designated grade or performance. And then the second one is developmental feedback. So for focusing on the future and is designed to improve performance or prepare a person for the next level of effort. So the developmental is where you want to be. And some guidelines for around this kind of feedback are asking the clients to self-assess their performance, make it a collaborative process, make sure you get buy-in. You want to be descriptive rather than evaluative. So think about observed, measured, or discussed behaviors. You want to be specific, factual, and actionable rather than general. Really, they're not going to improve if you're not giving them direct, honest, and concrete feedback on how they're improving and progressing towards their goals. You want to discuss only behavior that clients can change, realistic areas for change. So it's not something they can not have any control over, right? You also want to consider the coach's and the client's needs. So aiming for win-win situations that gets everyone to the end finish line for reaching those goals. Clear communication is critical, so always check for understanding. Ask for clarity in discussions and ask your client to repeat what you said so they understand and they can interpret it for themselves. Uh, Be sure to comment on the actions the client did well, as well as areas for improvement. You want to boost that confidence and encourage performance towards goals, right? So we all can't be feedback that's critical. And then finally, observe personal limits. I always say use those I statements and phrase things with I instead of you should. I think it might be, I have seen this. What is your perspective? And limit uh, the too much feedback. So don't give it all at once and remove blaming, accusing, or attacking messages from any sort of observation and comments you give. Talent development opportunities come up, and we know that many people seek out coaching for a variety of things, right? So the couple of the motivation theories that we know are Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and those are the goals from reaching from the physiological to the safety, security, to belongingness, social esteem, and self-actualization. So these needs must be met by going up that ladder and understanding where your client is. The other motivation theory mentioned was the theory of XY, where X explains the importance of heightened supervision, external rewards and penalties, versus Y theory uh, highlights the motivating role of job satisfaction and encourages workers to approach tasks without direct supervision. So knowing where your coaching clients are, is going to be critical and probably getting them to progress forward if they aren't taking care of some of these basic needs and you're also not meeting them where their motivation lies. So career building options often comes with coaching, and there's a number of reasons why employees and clients come out to -to one-to-one coaching to prove their learning performance at work and to build their career. One of them is basic for enrichment. So maybe they want to enhance their skills, responsibilities, so they might just take on new tasks and assignments without even moving any sort of job role or function. 
They also might want a reassignment, so they may move to a new role with different duties and no salary change, but just a new opportunity to learn. Job rotation is something that some of the employees do that might be coached into a temporary role assignment to gain experience and a new perspective. Might be a skill set, expertise, or knowledge they want to learn about. And then oftentimes, employees will look for coaching into education or training, so enrolling in courses or having their own kind of self-study. Another area that clients might come to are for professional organizational membership. So maybe they want to join a new association, go to professional meetings, hold an office, or even attend workshops, seminars, conferences. Another area might be observing and discussing. So maybe your client wants to just participate in job shadowing or understanding what other roles and groups do and interviewing others to get their perspective through informational interviews. Another area of personal improvement might just be to hone their own skills and address personal issues that go beyond the career. So maybe they want to start a new hobby, a new activity, or learn something new outside work. Finally, another area of growth could be around volunteer activities. This could be involvement in community or workplace activities that does something beyond their role of their work. So thinking about your client and coaching, you always want to have what's an action plan. So come together and co-create this call to action of what will keep them on track. And really the coach's role is to keep them on track of this action plan by monitoring, tracking, and following up with actions and commitments for different phases of the plan. So this action plan may list items and timelines and roles, the role the client will play and the role the coach will play to support those goals. So aiming towards the end result, you'll start with this kind of living document that's often reviewed, reflected upon, and might even be updated. So co-creating this with your client is really critical for any sort of action plan in coaching. So you want to brainstorm for ideas for change in action. You want to put the client in touch with others in similar situations, maybe role play scenarios to provide practice. Maybe you're soliciting ideas based on a journaling activity or assignment you give your client. You really want to urge your client to take on difficult situations and new challenges so you can discuss how they went and what the follow-up might be. You really want to push the client to higher standards of performance or outcomes. So if they're, they have the bar too low for their next goal, why not encourage them to think a little bit bigger? You want to push them to the next level, ask powerful questions, and think about starting them by saying the what if or why or how. You want to ensure the action is written with dates, outcomes, and a plan to achieve what the goals are or the action items are within this plan and help with a contingency plan. So if that didn't work out, what's option B, C, or D? So thinking about this is really critical because you're going to come back to this and look at it when you debrief and reflect and measure the results. So for this specific goal, you want to link any of these goals and the action items in this plan to something that's measurable. And this is going to be the results for evaluation. Uh, we aren't covering any area of evaluation of training, but I will touch on and link to Kirkpatrick's model of training evaluation. There's two levels, uh, level two and level three, which are learning and behavior that coaching often helps with. So the purpose of this is to discuss how to do things and how to change some behaviors and actions um, through that action plan and coaching. And you really want to measure it to level four, which is results. 
How will the coaching influence on-the-job application? Or where will the results of this coaching be put into practice in their career, within their role, in the organization, or other? These goals should be clear and measurable. So you get the desirable outcomes, and you're able to debrief with your coaching clients on how it went. Well, that's the end of this episode. It's a quick very quick overview of coaching core competencies. Once again, not a full course or a certification like the ICF can do. If you have suggestions or resources, or you'd like to know more about coaching, please go and visit the links in this episode's notes to the ICF, some of the articles I've shared. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to share out to some of your clients, be sure to let them know you're doing coaching or you're teaching coaching training. And we'd love to hear more about that. And I'll probably include some more links and suggestions in the next episode. There are only two small subsections of coaching. So this is just glistening over what many, many things you can learn. So I'd be happy to share anything uh, you suggest if you have further areas of learning, training, and even coaching that you recommend for listeners to go check out, because this is only a slice of what coaching really is, and coaching specifically for talent development. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.